Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. And as you know about this show, uh, we're talking about all kinds of different subject matter. It might be theology one week. It might be ministry leadership the next week. Uh, and as some of you know, uh, Living Faith Bible Institute has a publishing arm where we produce books uh, that address issues of discipleship, uh, issues of spiritual formation. We have commentaries and devotionals. We have all kinds of content that we're producing, and it's been a huge blessing. Uh, God's been all over that work. We've got a great team, and uh, we've been putting out four or five different kinds of books every single year. And so one of the books that has come out recently is a book called Emotional Victory uh, that addresses the emotions that we all struggle with in life and, and what do we do with them? And I think most people, I think the statistics would show this, most people struggle with issues of emotions that lead them to anxiety and fear and depression and all kinds of broken thinking, thinking that God never really intended for us. And in a lot of episodes, we've ad addressed these topics and even in our shows. Uh, but this book, Emotional Victory, uh, that came out last year has been an incredible tool, especially for women uh, to recognize and see their emotions for what they are and then begin to claim God's truth over their lives and, and begin to get that victory that they're so hungry for, uh, that they can move forward in a way that's glorifying to God and, and sets their hearts at ease and puts them at peace. And so today we're honored to have the author of that book, Deb Mulder, here with us uh, to hang out and talk about the book. And I think this is going to be a huge blessing for all of us. And so with that, Deb, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brandon. It's great to be here. Let's just start talking about it. I want, I want to ask, you know, this is a book that took a long time for you to write. Um, your, your eyes are like getting really wide, like a long time. Long time. <laughs> and so I want to know, what was the motivation? I mean, to write it, what was the purpose behind it? And what was the motivation that, that caused you to dig in so deep? Well, originally, it was just a class that I taught started. Well, actually, it began in Shepherd School as an assignment. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know, but Shepherd School in Kansas City, Shepherd School was basically uh, our old Living Faith Bible Institute. Mm -hmm. And so I don't remember what the exact assignment was, but I had a team of girls that, and a lot of girls that I was discipling that I was sharing things that God had brought me through to help them grow in their relationship with the Lord and deal with their emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I the first time it went together, it was about a 10-lesson study on, it was called the emotion study or dealing with your emotions in relationships. And that would have been back in the early 90s. Mm. And I've been teaching it both in counseling situations and with just girls that I discipled and in groups yeah. since then. And about, I don't know, 10 years ago, I've seen God use it, the principles in the book, not just in my life, but in many, many girls' lives. Mm -hmm. And so it just seemed the right thing to do to put it on paper so that more it could reach more girls and help more girls to grow in their relationship with God. Yeah. It's it's a common problem. Emotions. Yeah. Struggling with our emotions. Sure. And so that was kind of the motivation behind it was just to help more girls. Yeah. And we live in a world that it's like year over year, it feels like um, people's feelings uh rule them more and more and more, you know, in our society. And so this book and this content becomes more, more and more relevant, uh, the more that our society becomes kind of psychological and feeling based in terms of how it's mm -hmm. led. And so 
we've recognized, like I said in the intro, a, a huge number of churches are interested in using this material, um, even just to help them in small group settings to, to, to set people's minds right, you know, according to the word. So I know that your life experiences were also a huge catalyst for writing the book. And um, a lot of the things that you experienced, especially as a young woman, uh, led you to really value this type of material uh, in order to get your own emotions um, in line with who God is. And so maybe you can share your testimony. I think people really get a lot from just hearing your background and your story, your testimony of following Christ and the things that you had to come through to get to this place. Okay. Well, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Actually, I did not know uh, my my real father. Uh, my mom and my dad separated when I was a year old. Mm. And my mom married a great guy when I was six, and he adopted me. But there was, I mean, even though he was great, I wasn't abused or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But there just was never an emotional connection with my stepdad. Uh, and so I kind of grew up buying into... Snow White and Cinderella. My mom and dad seemed to have a good marriage. And I just thought someday I'm going to meet this knight in shining armor Mm -hmm. and he's going to complete me 100%. He's going to take away all my problems and I'm going to live happily happily ever after. (laughs) That was my my whole idea of life. And, you know, I think I started becoming boy crazy at 13. I can look back, and I started dating at 14. Did you chase boys on the playground? No, not not earlier. It wasn't until I was about 13, and I was more... The note passer? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted them to come to me, but I I tried to manipulate the situation so that they would. Yeah, you weren't the only girl who's ever done that. Yeah, and so, yeah, I just became very codependent Mm. on the idea of always being with a guy. I just always had a boyfriend, from 14, got married the first time at 20, and he was a really good guy. But again, I was not raised in a Christian home, uh, no religion, good or bad. And then the guy I married, he wasn't either, so mm-hmm. we weren't saved. We didn't go to church. We we partied a lot. We drank a lot. But after about three years of marriage, we had nice home. We had good jobs. And yet, I wasn't complete. I didn't, I had this, you know, he wanted to have kids. And I'm like, something is missing here. Now, I didn't, it was Lord, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Right. And so, unfortunately, I I left. I walked away uh, just thinking that there's some guy out there, some soulmate that I haven't found yet. Mm. And I left him. It was very hard. It was very devastating. Within a couple of weeks, I was set up with my next husband, who was an abuser, which I didn't know for, you know, six months or so. But he he had been married six times before, which, again, I didn't know. Wow. It's convenient to hide that uh, kind of thing, I think. Yeah. I mean, he was very charismatic. I've, I fell head over heels in love, I thought. Right. This was the answer that I've been looking for. And then he started beating me up physically. Man. Man. And it was, you know, the good was awesome. Because, you know, after a beating, he would really shower me with everything. And so I always was trying to get back to that place, thinking that was the answer. Somehow we went to psychiatrists. You know, there were times when he got better. But uh, by the time I was about 26, 
27, my life was just, I was an insecure wreck. I was drinking heavily, if not at work. Had a good job, really good job. Mm. But just drinking a lot. I smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. Mm. And I remember, I vividly remember right around this time, him beating me up again and going into work. And of course, you know, everything was hidden. He was he was a very good beater. So he was calculated. <laughs> very. And so nobody knew what was going on. I had this facade up. But my, I was crumbling. I mean, I remember sitting there and just feeling like, I don't know, where, where am I going to go from here? What's going to happen? It was, you know, back then you didn't go to a doctor and get an antidepressant or anything. You know, you, mm-hmm. you had a nervous breakdown, you were committed. And mm-hmm. I, I really think that's, I was on the verge of something like that because it was just devastating. Um, wow. I had panic attacks. I had... Um, severe insecurity pains internally, you know, I was just constantly in pain and with no peace. Mm. And that was when a girl from Kansas City Baptist Temple started working where I worked. Mm. And she carried her Bible. It Mm. was a Bible just like this. Every single day, she carried a Bible. And that just intrigued me. She would read her Bible, you know, on, on breaks. And at lunch, we became friends. And she started bringing cassette tapes. He wouldn't let me go to church, but she was feeding me. I mean, she was giving me all kinds of things. And after two or three months, I just remember waking up one morning and thinking, I'm going to die and go to hell. And I, I, I can remember what I put on. I went straight to her at work that morning, and I said, Karen, how do I get saved? Wow. Wow. And so she uh, wrote down the Romans Road, Plan of Salvation, but we were getting ready to start work. And she said, you know, let's talk about this at lunch. So I went back to my desk, and I just stared at that piece of paper. You were a nervous wreck. Yeah. For like four hours. (laughs) And I was staring, and I'm like, I cannot, I I can't wait. And I went to the bathroom, knelt, and repented of my sin and accepted Jesus as my Savior. Wow. In the bathroom. In the bathroom at my job. Wow. Yeah. Thank God for Karen. Amen. It was the greatest decision of my life. Mm -hmm. My eternal problems were over, you know, but I had lived almost 27 years running completely by my emotions, Mm -hmm. totally and completely, and not knowing one thing about Bible at all. So from, from that place, I mean, you know Christ now, and you've been set free spiritually, but you're still in this tough marriage. And you still have a lot of baggage that you're dealing with. So how how does it move forward from there? So that first year, I mean, he really didn't let me go um, to church. She would continue bringing me materials. I desperately wanted to go to church. Eventually, there was an abu- you know a beating, and I went in for biblical counseling. And it was bad enough to where they said, you know, you got to start throwing him in jail, and you really should go to your parents for protection. Mm-hmm. And so, and they wanted to counsel us. And so that's we they started counseling us using the discipleship. Back then, we only had eight lessons for discipleship. We didn't have the discipleship like we do now, but. We had the eight lessons, and he kind of faked it for a while, but eventually within that next year, he he left. And so yeah. I was finally able. I mean, I remember getting to go to church. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's it was— It was like going to oh, Disney World. Gosh, you were it was, so excited about it. I was wanted it. to so bad, you know, and yeah. regularly. And, and so I was told, again, the biblical counseling and discipleship continued, and I was told— with where you're coming from, you need to be here every time the doors are open. 
And I just took that to heart. Mm. And I just decided I'm this is the answer. I need to find how God can fix these problems. And so moved over there. I was in, from Kansas and moved over to right by KCBT and was there all the time. Same house you're in now? Oh, no, no. No. I've oh. moved multiple times. but You've been in that area, though, for a long time. The same area, yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, was there and went through D2, started discipling girls, started going on discipleships. Back back then, we had a lot of discipleship trips. And so looking back, it was the discipleship trips and the, you know, just the D2 and the shepherd school. I mean, all of that together and ministering with girls is what God used mm-hmm. to start healing me the most. Yeah. And then as they were growing, you know, 2 Corinthians 1 talks about taking our brokenness, the things that he's brought us through and given to others. And so that just naturally became a part of my life. That was my purpose yeah. in life, literally. Yeah, that, and that hasn't changed. No. Um, what were some of the things that you felt, you know, you're talking about the transformation and and the transformation you saw in others, but but the transformation that was happening in you simultaneously. What were the things in terms of perspective and conceptual framework that were beginning to change how were your emotions changing as you continued to follow Christ? Well, like, um, again, the, the book kind of goes through that journey, and mm-hmm. it really matches up with our discipleship lessons. But starting out, I started realizing that the thing I needed most was a relationship with the Lord. Because even initially, I still thought, oh, I just need to get the right guy. I, mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. And, and so, but the Lord kept closing the doors and began showing me out of Isaiah 40 that I was looking for God in a man. I mm-hmm. mean, in that I needed just to set that aside for temporarily because I'd tried it for 27 years right. and done wrong, and I needed develop, to develop a relationship with Him. And so as I began doing that, I think a big part of it was Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and that promise there about the I mean, I was desperate for peace. That's even after I got saved. Again, I didn't have the peace of God. You were still had and, your anxiety and yeah, all that stuff. And it was just around. that process of learning how to have peace that he began step by step just showing me in his word as I spent time with him and how he could take care of it and give me victory. Prayer is something that you emphasize in the book. Can you, can you talk about prayer a little bit and how important that is? Well, there is a prayer exercise in the book and it, and it stems from my own desperate search for peace. And like I said, I was full of insecurity and anxiety, and it was probably, you know, I'd gotten saved, I was growing, but still I'd hear preachers talk about the peace of God, Mm -hmm. and I knew in the gut of my soul that I didn't have that, and I wanted it, Mm -hmm. and and I would, you know, beg God for it, and... um, it, things were a lot different back then. We didn't have email. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have, you know, and so I was home a lot, mm-hmm. just begging God for how do I find this and just searching through the Word of God. And and so this was the verse that God gave me to claim, and it was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And... The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hmm. It, it basically boiled down to three things that he showed me. First was be careful for nothing. And so he gave me a corresponding verse about um, 
casting all your care upon him. Mm-hmm. And so that was a matter of my, all of the things that I'd been carrying, you know, again, for the last 27, 28 years, I was still carrying a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And so th- that was the first point that I noticed. And then, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be na- made known unto God. So he was showing me that I needed to take everything to him, yeah. whether it was big or whether it was little, it needed to go through him. And I was used to taking my problems to people and asking for help. You know, I'd been to a psychiatrist and mm-hmm. poured out my heart. So I thought, I'm going to make an appointment with God. And I started doing that, started making an appointment mm-hmm. with the Lord. And I would, um, I remember the first time that he, I, I went over that verse. I said, okay, I'm going to give you my cares. I'm going to give you my requests. And then I'm going to turn around and be thankful. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being a two-hour session. I had all the lights in my house off. It was at night, and that was somehow easier for me because, again, I was coming out of the darkness, and I was still afraid. And um, I just cried. I mean, I bawled. I mean, it was a, a bad cry as I began pouring out my heart to the Lord. Yeah. And so I gave him all my cares, and it probably went back to, you know, when I was five years. I don't know. Yeah. It was just a lot that You're I gave him. Drudging everything. And I, everything. Out. And then I, I turned around and I request everything that I thought I wanted or needed, no matter how big or small I gave him. And then I, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to be thankful in and for everything. I mean, He'd given me verses, parallel verses for each one of those steps. And there was a verse that said, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God. And there was a verse that said in Ephesians that said, for everything give thanks. Mm-hmm. And so there were things that I could think of in my life that I couldn't give thanks for. And I'm like, Lord, can you grant me the grace to give thanks? Because I don't want it to be a stumbling block in my life with you. Yeah. And so he did. And, you know, I was even able at that point to thank God for my ex-husband because mm-hmm. it had led me to the Lord. Yeah. And that certainly wasn't ever God's will. That wasn't his perfect will, but I had was so far out of his perfect will that that's what he used. He still managed to use it. And for so, you. but by his grace, I was able to thank him and see that. Yeah. And, you know, two hours later, um, you know, I didn't have Kleenex. I just had a roll of toilet paper, and I think it was the whole roll that was gone. <laughs> and I just I experienced the peace. I really experienced peace at that point. Mm-hmm. And I knew. Now, the next day, I didn't always have that. I knew I was picking it right back up. So that's why I began really making an appointment with the Lord. And I decided, and even to this day, over the years, if I start getting um, overwhelmed or anything, there's verses that He's given me added to that. But it was just that special time with God that I could pour my heart out. And I've seen that in all the girls I've worked with and giving them that that, that uh, homework assignment is in the book. But every girl I've ever worked with, because it changed my life so much and I really began experiencing a walk with the Lord through that and experiencing the peace that passed the understanding. I mean, right now, I hardly can remember I mean, I talk about these stomach aches and how racked with pain I was, mm-hmm. but it's like a distant memory. I just, I, I have peace, mm-hmm. you know? It's totally different than what I used to experience. Mm-hmm. And it was just over a matter of years of continuing. I mean, it didn't all happen overnight because yeah. it had taken 27 years to get there. But he did really help me um, start experiencing peace in the gut of my soul. Mm. And I remembered that, and I just kept going back to that whenever I didn't have it. That's good. 
You know, at first, I thought my big problem was my ex-husband. And then I learned, you know, within a very short time that my big problem was me, Mm. you know, it's my flesh. That was what was always getting in the way. And just that I had to learn to die to that flesh. And And part of that is my feelings. You know, my feelings were getting in the way. I work with a lot of girls that that's what happens. Our feelings get in the way to following the Lord and what mm-hmm. He wants for us. Yeah. So, What role did mentorship play for you in terms of that process? I mean, you mentioned Karen, this friend of yours initially who brought you into the church. But one of the things that I know about you and your heart is to come alongside people and and to walk with them and and. Be a, be a role model. I mean, essentially, I, you probably don't say that a whole lot. You know, I'm going to be your role model. But but that's what you've been to a lot of women. And you've had those in your life, too. Um, what role has mentorship played in your life in, in the well, discipleship process? It Because I came in, at, at I was so devastated. You know, I, I went through the mentorship with our pastor. I mean, mm-hmm. Karen was there and helped tremendously, and she was my one of my best friends. But it was through that— and it was at a distance, yeah. but it was still through the preaching and teaching and just as I grew in that relationship and having a father figure. That basically. was huge for me. Yeah. I mean, it was humble it, it I can't explain how huge that was. Mm-hmm. And um that helped me. Yeah. Tremendously. And then as I saw and I began helping other girls. That was so fulfilling. I mean, I, I remember the first time I taught some of the lessons in the emotion study, and it was just like, it was like, like sticking my finger in an electric socket. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It was unbelievable how yeah. this is what God wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. It, it was just passing it on and right. sharing it with others. It tremendously helped me. So your story is woven into the book. Um, you use it as kind of a platform for conversing, you become the illustration for a lot of the biblical points that you make in, in the book. This book took a long time uh, for you to write, and uh, you got lots of help from lots of wise women in your life as well. And so the, the outcome has been an emotional victory. Um, Which you came up with that title. Well, I helped. Yes, I helped thank you. That, yeah. you know. Actually, we had a great team. I mean, It awesome. was a great team. I mean, I, yeah. can I talk about the team? Sure, go ahead. Um, it was so I, I had tried about 10 years ago to start putting it together and I knew that I needed help. Mm -hmm. And so there were different people that I had asked for help that attempted to help probably about three different times. We tried to start and it just didn't pan out and just didn't work. And then, you know, I was talking to Sam and I'm like, I think God wants me to put this in a book. What do I, he's like, I think you need to put it LFBI first. And so that's what we did. We put it in an LFBI class. Yeah. So so a couple of years ago, you taught the taught emotion it, study as content. As a class. Yeah. Right after that class, um, I was having dinner at Tuesday night meal with Havala mm-hmm. and Hannah. And this came up, the idea of writing a book again. And you know Havala. Oh, yeah. I mean, Havala's like all in. Once, I mean, she yeah. immediately was all in. She's like, because I told him the difficulty I'd had. Mm-hmm. And, and she's like... I will I will transcribe these. I commit to transcribing the audios. I mean, and and the encouragement and just the that that's how it started this second time. I mean, this last time putting right. it together. And so she started, and then uh, charity got involved. We edited, and yet we got about three quarters of the way through, and it just wasn't 
flowing. Flowing is always my the issue. words yeah. just weren't flowing on paper. Yeah, like teaching they were. material it, is different. Yeah, than writing it was a book. so different. Yeah. And so I remembered at that point that Connor had taken one of my um, the articles that I'd written for Kaya mm-hmm. and edited it. And Connor doesn't just do normal editing. Connor takes a little liberty when she edits, mm-hmm. and. And she had done that and rearranged my words, rearranged the paper, the ideas that I had put there. But she said exactly what I was trying to say, only made it sound better. Mm. She's just gifted. Yeah, yeah. And so I went to her and I'm like, Connor, could you do that with the book? And she, she did. So. Yeah, there's. I mean, and and the editors and the designers and then you yeah, know, Melissa, Melissa and, and, and Victoria, and Anna Con- Victoria got involved with, with the, the editing, yeah. and then Aunt Tori did the mm-hmm. cover and all the artwork, and then. But these see. are the the cool thing about it, and this is, I think, maybe the most relevant part for our listeners is that women that experienced the value of the emotion study and yeah. who sat under the teaching got that's, behind it to make sure that the book very true. came true. They, every one of yeah, them. And yeah. you know, there's a few others um, that were included in that, and they all were for it, yeah. and God was using them. Well, praise God. Mm-hmm. Praise God. So in terms of the book, um, and we've kind of hinted at this, but let's be really clear. Who is this book for? Um, who are you aiming at? with the material in this book when you put it together and you imagined in your mind the type of people that should be reading it uh, who are those people because we want to identify that i think that's important because i think there's a lot of people even listening right now who might hear themselves in the person that you describe yeah i mean it it was for anyone that to grow in their relationship with the lord that has problems with their feelings and emotions mm-hmm. i mean that's the original intent and i think you know i'm I'm called to help ladies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Titus says. And so I do think that it goes right along with the with the verse in Titus about helping ladies to be sober and and to love. And, you know, I mean, all of those those characteristics are actually addressed in the book. Yeah. Just it's, we just don't use that particular right. verse. And since then, I mean, I have even had guys read it and say they got some out of it. And You'd be so, surprised how many men um have have read it actually. Back earlier when I used to teach it, there used to be guys in the class and some husbands, and they said they would say they wanted to take it just to better understand their wife. Mm-hmm. And so so it's been a, you know, a lot of different people have seemed to get some help from it. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. My name is Victoria McLear, and I am a student at Living Faith Bible Institute. I have been a Christian for over 30 years. I am a wife and a mother of three adult children, and I have three grandchildren. LFBI is the tool that God is using to teach and strengthen me in my walk with Him. As usual, His timing is perfect, as we are currently going through uncertain and troubling times. The more I study scripture and the truth of it, the better able I am to decipher the lies that the world throws at us. And that ministers to me. I needed it. I know the world around me needs it. And I have been blessed with opportunities to minister to others from what I have learned in class. And that is an answer to prayer for me to be useful to the Lord. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. 
To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. So what should people, when they pick the book up, um, and we'll, we'll mention this again later on, the, the book is available at lfbi.org um, under the Living Faith Books section of the website. People can find it on Amazon as well. And uh, so when people pick the book up, what should they expect from it in terms of the flow of the book, um, how they walk through it? What's the process that the book presents to the reader? Well, again, what I've tried to do is have it go along with discipleship mm -hmm. as far as those basic steps one at a time. And what we've found is that if they take, rather than just read right through it, you get a lot more out of it, especially if you're doing it with groups. Like I use it for counseling, some of the girls I'm counseling. Mm -hmm. And or, and then I've got a few groups that are going through it. We've got a few churches that are doing the same. Yeah, yeah. I'll I want to come back to that because I think that's important. And what, what we've found to be um, helpful is to just do a chapter a week and then get together and have the girls share. Like there's questions at the back of every every chapter. And so they answer the questions, we get together, and they just share what God showed them. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's things outside of the book, but it helps as they talk it over. It really has helped um, help them, you know, run their emotions through the Word of God. In terms of testimony, what are some of the testimony that you've gotten feedback-wise from people that have, have gone through it? There, through it? There, one of the uh, girls in, well, one of the leaders in Laramie has, she's a professional counselor. Mm -hmm. And and she actually has bought lots of these books yeah. to give to her clients. Yeah, yeah. And she's got a study going uh, in Lar Laramie. Yeah, so Laramie, there's a, there's a church plant in Laramie mm -hmm. that um, a lot of the members there are involved with LFBI. Mm -hmm. um, and they've started just recently a, a small group devoted to this, the study of this content. Mm -hmm. The girls that I've been counseling, it's been helpful in, in working with them. Again, I used to always use the emotion study and maybe the, you know, the audios or, but this has been helpful in just going back over the material and seeing it yeah. and working with them and getting them to answer the questions and talking through those things. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that you, you've been trained in shepherd school and in LFBI and you're on the counseling ministry team here at Midtown Baptist Temple. We've got a team mm -hmm. of, of counselors that are trained to do counseling and, and this has proven to be material, um, that, that have, that's been helpful time helpful and time tool. again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I think is really important about this study that differentiates it from a lot of like small group content that you might find at Mardell's, for instance. <laughs> Mardell's has his place. <laughs> I don't want to laugh. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. But, you know, typical Christian cultural small group women's studies is that, th is that this material focuses so heavily on the Bible and what the Bible has to say, knowing that it's God's word and, and believing his promises and obeying them that ultimately sees transformation. Can you talk a little bit about how important that is to you in terms of the material? I think that is the most important part. Yeah. <laughs> is that even in teaching, I like I was terrified of the idea of ever speaking in in a class. Mm -hmm. I, you know, yeah, I that's just not anything I ever wanted to do. But the idea of taking the verse that God used to change my life and share that with someone else, that is what he wanted me to do. And right. that's what the book's all about, right. is taking the verses. It's all about the verses. 
It's about knowing the certainty of the words of truth and having those and knowing that they can transform you from the inside out. And even every girl I ever worked with, I mean, that is, of course, God gives us a great relationship. But the key that I'm always looking for is helping them to know the living God, you know, to know him through his word. And so that's the most important part. And Mm -hmm. I have had a lot of different people comment on that, that, hey, this is more about what God says than yeah. anything. And that's yeah. what definitely what we're trying to do in the right. book. And, and so while we're, uh, you, the book is addressing psychological issues, it's not really a psychology book. And and while it is supposed to help someone with their mental health, it's not some sort of like um, live your best life now no. type of thing. Um, pop, it's not pop psychology. It's, a, it's biblical material to help transform a person's to aid them in their sanctification yeah. process, that right. reconciliation process of knowing who God is and and knowing, I mean, God has a purpose for every single person. Mm-hmm. And so it's just helping them meet him, know him, walk with him so that he can tell them what it is he wants them to accomplish yeah, or he wants to accomplish through them. Right. So if, you know, so people are listening and we've mentioned a couple of times now that there, there are, that are churches that are giving us feedback that they're using this in a small group setting. How would you su- suggest someone go about that in a way that would preserve the content and, and make sure that it's being handled the way that it should be, uh, but also that it's achieving what it's supposed to and, and pointing everything back to Christ? How, how would you suggest a small group gather around this book and this material and, and walk through it? Well, basically, just get together weekly mm-hmm. and, and have a set schedule to read at least one chapter a week and really apply that to your life, mm-hmm. not to take out the verses and write down the verses and live out the verses and and, and add verses. I mean, add, it's not complete, you know? Right. It, it, every girl, every person can add to that and then get together with a group and talk about it, talk it over, because that helps too, and yeah. talk about how God helped you. How important is that accountability piece? I think, I think what I'm seeing is that it's very very important. Mm-hmm. I think that that just like with discipleship, again, this is just another tool. Just like we have discipleship, sure, of course, yeah, and it, it just aids in that that forward motion of knowing who God is mm-hmm. and letting Him transform your life. What do you believe accountability looks like biblically? Walking in the light and, and having yeah. peace. Because people are resistant to account- accountability, right? Like uh, it's hard for people to learn how to be accountable mm-hmm. when they live so much of their life autonomous from other individuals and they're tr- they are trying to get their best life. Mm-hmm. Um, it can become a habit. I think, you know, it may start out. I think that's why discipleship is so important and that one-on-one mentorship, that's the beginning yeah, you of learn making sure that you are being held accountable. And I think there are things that a good discipler or mentor can watch for to make sure that that individual is meeting with the Lord and mm-hmm. starting to see transformation. I mean, people can't hide, but still, y- y- you really can tell. And I'm sure as a pastor, there's even more so of that, mm-hmm. you know, that you can watch people and see where they're coming from and put the right tools in place to help them to right. stay accountable. Mm-hmm. And so um, with accountability in this book, it's really the journaling part and the question answering part and then bringing something to the table, it allows people space to hold each other accountable. There's a vulnerability. Yeah. There's a, this is what God's showing me. And then the mentor or the leader in the in the small group setting can kind of discern mm-hmm. 
what's really going on, you know, what's and how to help and how to help and, how and to work with. I mean, we've got so many different groups here, you know, that so many different leaders, so many mentors in each girl's life that you can work with others to help mm-hmm. depending upon where they're coming from. Yeah, that's good. So, Deb, in, in terms of emotional victory and, and the way you'd like to see this this book work in people's life. There's so many people that are buying the book. I mean, at Mission Focus, I think it, it outsold all the other books by double because there's so many people that are interested in it. What is your hope? Um, obviously, you don't want it to sit on a shelf somewhere. What's your hope for the book? My hope that, that it continues to be a tool to help people grow in their relationship with the Lord. I mean, there, it, um, it's, there's no more hope than having them know God. Mm-hmm. And, and again... I think with anything that we learn about, and especially our emotions, especially for girls, there is a tendency to get it at first and then to get distracted and and it escape you, so to speak, you know, yeah. and now all of a sudden you're back in the flesh. Back in the old habits. And, and so you, I've just learned that you, I can't just leave it alone. I, I honestly think that's why the Lord wanted me to keep giving it out is mm-hmm. so that it would not only help them, but help me right. to keep focused on what is really important. And that's what it does for me, and that's what I hope it does for others, is just that it helps them keep focused on letting God sit on the throne of their heart, letting mm. God be in charge, helping them to die to self, and let God be walking after spirit. You yeah. Know? yeah, praise God. Uh, are, do you have any other books that you're thinking about writing? Well, we're actually in the middle. There was a series I did. It was only about a three hour, but it was excerpts from the emotion study a few years back. I've done it a few times called Being Single with Joy and Purity. Mm. And so uh, Charity did transcribe that, and Connor is just about finished with that. It's a, but much smaller, and it's mainly excerpts from mm-hmm. a lot of this. But it's focused on helping young ladies know that their life isn't on hold just because they're not married yet mm-hmm. and that they can move forward and have purity in that and they can have joy in that. And so that Connor just told me this week that she was almost had her part done. So Man, praise God. So uh, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to start emailing me and texting me about when <laughs> when is that coming out. It'll so. be a while. Uh, yeah, late later, probably this year or early next year, even maybe yeah. I don't know. You and I have to talk about that, but yeah, I, we still need to go. Th- I mean, I need to go through it. I mean, we may even add a little the girls yeah. that are helping me. So, and occasionally people will see um, the emotional victory or emotional study, uh, emotion study, uh, pop up in LFBI as a class, uh, a course that yeah, they can take too. So, mm-hmm. so people can anticipate that as well. Deb, thank you for hanging out with me. Oh, I love hanging out with you, Brandon. We, You're we one of my have favorite a good time. people. You're like yeah. my big sister. It's yeah. like a, it's a lot of fun to, to chill, and um, and I'm thankful for the book too. I know that this was on your heart. I know, and I could see you for several years just like grieving over getting it done, and finally it's it's done, and and God's doing all the things that we prayed, yeah, that it would do. So, Amen. Thank you, thank you for taking the time to do it and for hanging out with me today. Thank you for having me. And we want to thank you as well for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. And and obviously today we spent a lot of time just talking about this book specifically, but I hope you heard past that. I hope you heard your story at some level in Deb's story. And maybe you're struggling with some sort of 
false thinking or false identity, or maybe uh, you recognize in yourself uh, some sort of aberrancy in, in, in your emotions and, and uh, you have a hard time having your own victory, uh, we do want to recommend uh, emotional victory to you. And again, you can find this at lfbi.org slash books, uh, and then you can find it on Amazon as well. But this is a material that will help you get victory in your life. And so we want to invite you to check that out. Uh, we also want to invite you to come and participate in our classes in LFBI. As, as Deb said, knowing God's word and being transformed through his word is the main thing. And, and we do believe that LFBI is a part of your transformative process and your growth spiritually into the leader that God wants you to be. So we invite you, of course, to check out LFBI and see what our class load looks like for the upcoming semester. Uh, and those biblical counseling classes in particular address a lot of the content that is seen in this particular book. And so if counseling is a topic that you're interested in, we teach biblical counseling, uh, which focuses on God's word. And, and we would invite you to come and participate in those classes as well. But once again, thank you for joining us for another show. We love you. We're grateful for you and we're grateful for your time. And we hope to see you and be with you again next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.